there's great reward with being a contractor financially in terms of the experience you get so I'm not going to deny that but there is great risk and are you prepared to, to take that risk on my contract was not renewed until the last day of my extension now for some people they don't they can't they can't work with that risk Welcome to the Inside Business Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Jacobs, and today I am joined with Kamal Mawaha. How are you doing today, Kamal? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on this podcast. No, thanks for coming on. I'm excited for our conversation today and, um, uh, you know, just kind of bring your experience around the world of contracting and what contracting is all about. What does that look like? What does that mean? A lot of uh, business analysts who are currently working as employees and are potentially thinking to themselves, you know, maybe it's time to switch to contracting. But just kind of give them a really good overview in our conversation today, right? I just run what that looks like and what that means and all the rest of it. So I'm excited to to dive into that. Uh, but before we do get into that, just kind of give a brief introduction into who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm Kamal Marwaha. I've been a business analyst for, I don't like to admit it, but about 15 years now. Um, and I think 11 of those years has been as a contractor. Wow, and I've worked across a range of different sort of pri- private sector and public sector companies within the FS space and sort of public sector sort of government central government roles. Uh, my experience has varied across sort of process change, digital services, center of excellence, and yeah, sort of eleven years is sort of how long I've been contracting. So it's quite a while now. It's um, yeah, it's been a long time and it's been really enjoyable. Um, mm. And I just wanted to use my experience to give it back to the BA community because I get lots of questions from BAs on that's considering contracting, but they never quite sort of understand what they need to consider or what some of the pitfalls or what are some of the sort of factors they need to take into account. So I'm looking forward to sort of giving that information and insight to sort of the rest of the BAs. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, and I appreciate that because, uh, as you said, uh, there is a lot of questions around this. Um, we'll hopefully cover quite a few of them and uh, give people some insight into into this world. Um, so, I mean, first of all, let's just explain what, what a contractor is, uh, a BA contractor is in a nutshell, particularly thinking about those who um, have never really looked into what, what the differences are between, I guess, a permanent slash full-time BA and a contractor BA. Yeah, sure. So I see myself as a as a business that offers a service. So I'm a service provider, and that service is in business analysis. And I make that service available to companies. And that service is available for a certain rate, so a certain day rate, and that rate varies. Uh, and it's typically available for a certain period of time. And that, that time is normally dictated to by the client. Um, but I also have sort of my own... I'm responsible for how long I want to work for a client. Mm. But essentially, I see myself as a service provider and I offer sort of BA services. So that's essentially how I see myself. And you sort of market yourself as a professional service provider. So what I tend to do is that I am constantly putting myself out there in the market, whether it be attending IIBA events to make myself available, to make myself known in the community, or just making myself sort of known to recruiters because you're always sort of constantly building those relationships with recruiters so that you're always constantly sort of making your making your business known essentially mm. in the same way any other business is constantly having to market itself i just see myself in the same way mm. Mm. so that's essentially how i see myself you're a business whereas when you're an employee 
you're working for a big company and you're there for a certain period of time and you're hoping to stay at that company to grow and develop. So you're not typically looking to sort of market yourself outside of that permanent opportunity. Love that, love that. And um, it, it's before we kind of get into the practicals around it, it almost sounds like there needs to be a moment of a, of a mindset shift almost because uh, to think of yourself as a business uh, and a service provider, uh, that's quite a different approach altogether, you know, as opposed to I'm a business analyst and I'm looking for a job with X number of companies or whatever that looks like. How how would you how would you advise people to kind of, I guess, make that switch and and what does that switch look like in in your mindset? So when you're as with any business, you need to keep yourself relevant. So in the past eleven years, there's been a massive shift towards agile, for example and digital projects. So that's been the key skill that has come into the marketplace. So as a BA, you need to have that constant, as a contractor, you need to have that constant awareness of what's happening in the market, what are the trends, okay? So if, if there was a move like six, seven years ago towards agile and digital BAs, mm. you need to get yourself that experience. Because what you don't want is if the, whole, if the whole industry moves towards agile and you're the only BA out there with no agile experience, you're typically going to struggle to get work, for example. Mm. So you need to have that constant mm. awareness of where's, where is the industry going? What skills do you need to have? And some BAs, for example, tend to focus on particular skills or industries. So, for example, they might focus on SAP or they might focus on, like, investment banking. Right. Uh, but, mm. you know, if you're... The key thing to consider if you're a contractor is how do you keep yourself relevant? Mm. Um, whereas when you're in a company as a permanent employee, you work with that company for your learning and development and training. So you you're, you also you work with that company to sort of navigate your career development. How do you want to progress? When you're a contractor, you don't have that. Right. So you're responsible for that yourself. So that you need to, you know there's a lot of BAs that I know shifted towards product ownership. Mm. There was a big move towards product owners sort of the last few years. So some friends of mine have moved towards that space. Some of my friends have moved towards delivery management. So, you know, I've got friends that move with the industry in terms of where they see themselves going. And that's the key difference mm. is what skills do you have? What does the market need? And where do you want to be? Because the last thing you want is to be a BA with skills that are becoming outdated and sort of no longer needed in the industry right right and um so let's just say i'm a ba i've been a ba for i don't know three to five years somewhere yeah. there um and employment that is and yeah. i'm considering or thinking about becoming a contractor yes and i'm kind of hearing what you're saying about you know i'm a business i'm a service provider and kind of having this mindset and also just kind of this idea of almost continuously learning and uh, keeping up to the pace and the trends of the marketplace and things like that. Yes. Um, but what's the first thing I should do? What's the first step look like if I'm, if I'm really thinking about doing this uh, switch from full-time to contracting? The first thing I would say to any contract, or sorry, any, any individual is firstly look at your skill set and your experience. What is it that you've got? Okay, so have are you a BA that's primarily focused have has experience in digital BA, or are you a process BA in terms of lean management or business process analysis? What are your skill set that you could bring to a company? 
once you've got a sense of what those skills are and what level of experience you have, you know, if you've only done process management for like a month or you've only done agile for a couple of weeks, you're unlikely to sort of succeed in the marketplace because you just haven't got the breadth of experience against some of the more experienced BAs. Mm. Okay. So get a sense of what skills you have and how long you've had them for. Then look into have an assessment of the market. There's always jobs out there. Have a look at what types of jobs are available. Try to contact some recruiters. Have an honest conversation. I think you spoke to one a few months ago. Was it James Hill? Yes. Um, speak to someone like that in terms of, look, here's my experience. How do you think I'd do in the contracting market? And mm -hmm. recruiters are normally quite, they can be quite honest and upfront in terms of they think, you know, they'll, they'll assess you against the other candidates that are out there. If they say you're going to struggle, because there's BAs that I've got so many BAs at the moment um, that have so many skills in certain areas, you're likely to struggle, then take that advice on board. Because what you don't mm. want to do is to stop working and then struggling to find work. Um, mm. You also got, have to get a sense of the marketplace. So this year, there's been lots of redundancies and layoffs in the big tech companies. Yeah. So as a result, the market's quite saturated in terms of individuals that are looking for work. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to go contracting when there's a when there's a lot of individuals, a lot of talented individuals from some of the big tech companies and consultancies that are looking for work. So you know you have to factor that in. What's the market like? Mm. You know, do you really want to go into a contracting market when it's slow? Um, you know, some of my friends that are very experienced have taken up to three months to find work, and these are seasoned wow. professionals. So it's a difficult market. This year is a difficult market. So think about, get a sense of the market, you know, build those relationships with recruiters and then speak to colleagues that you've worked with. If you're a permanent employee, there would have been contractors that you've worked with, you know, yeah. in, whether it's the BA, whether it's a developer, whether it's a designer, product owner, whatever. Speak to them about what the market's like, about their experience. Um, once you factor those in, you know, then make that decision. In, you know, you've got, you, you, know, you can sort of get a sense of, here's my skills. This is what the market's like. This is how I compare to other candidates. Okay, this is, you know, um, what I think. I, I this then you can sort of make an informed decision in terms of whether you want to move into contracting or not. Mm. There's then also, the key thing for any contractor is the risk element. You know, right. contracting is a risky environment. You have to ask yourself: Are you prepared to work at risk? Okay, so if you're a permanent employee and you are looking, if if you you know no job safe, all jobs there's always a risk of redundancy. But when yeah. you're a permanent employee, you have that safety in terms of how long your notice period is and redundancy period. I see. With contractors, we're only we don't have that. So, for example, I've had situations where my contract did was terminated on a Friday, and I was asked to return my laptop that day back to the office and finish work. Wow. Okay. Or I've had situations where uh, my contract got extended for 12 months and mm. within two weeks of that extension, my contract came to an end. You know, oh, wow. or I've had situations where my contract was not renewed until the last day of my extension. So my extension finished on like the 31st of, I don't know, March or April. Yeah. And my ex extension came through literally on that last Friday. <laughs> now, for some people, yeah. They don't, they can't, they can't work with that risk that, yeah. you know, they don't like that risk. You know, someone said to me once I couldn't work with a contractor because I can't work mm. at risk. I need to be, have that security of a job. 
So that's where you've got to ask yourself, are you prepared to work at risk? Because your contract can be cut at any time. And it might not be your own fault. It could be because there's budgetary cuts uh, yeah. or there's a change in the political environment, you know, in terms of if you work in the public sector or your project could just be canned, you know. Yeah, yeah, Or yeah. in one yeah. of my instances, my my contract got cancelled because my boss had filled out the incorrect form for my contract extension. And because of that, because of that, um, my contract got extended. Oh. So... My not extended. Sorry, it got it got it got um, terminated early. Yeah. So I was li- I was literally told to come in that Friday and return my laptop. So that's that's the key. Other that's the other element of contracting is that risk element. And are you prepared to work at risk? Okay, okay. So come. So so there's a lot that you covered off there, um, which was assess your skills, assess the market with the help of a yes. recruiter. Yes. And and also then assess the your risk tolerance, so to speak. Really, absolutely. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible world, but also speaking, there is all of these uh, risks that you don't necessarily face as a permanent employee within that. Um, talking on this on the point of skills, because you mentioned at the beginning there that um, you know there's some skills which are I guess hot in the market and some skills which are quite in demand. Uh, can you touch on any particular skills that? in the present marketplace right now that uh, are quite strongly being sought after in the, um, in the, in the market. So this year, this year, the mark contracting market has been quite slow and there's not been as many jobs this year as there was maybe for example, last year. Okay. But I think this year, what I've seen is that there's always a need for skills in digital and sort of agile skills. There's always that demand for awareness Right. This year, I've seen lots of jobs within the FS space, so within like investment banking. So there's often a need for that sort of front office, middle office, back office skills. Mm. There's also, for example, this year, SAP has become a bit more prominent. So if you've got SAP experience, that's really sought after. Mm. There's always demand for public sector experience. So in terms of have you worked with the government departments? Have you worked within the GDS framework? So this year... There's been a breadth of different types of roles I've seen. I've seen lots of front office, like I said, investment banking experience type work, lots of government roles, government where you need central government experience. If you've got that, that's great. Obviously, you need your core BA skills in terms of requirements gathering, process management, stakeholder management, you know, that's sort of your standard bread and butter BA skills. You need to have that. Mm. Um, But in terms of specific skills or trends, not yet, but it's just that experience of either industries or specific technologies like SAP or CRM, for example. And I think that touches on your earlier point, doesn't it? About like, if you've done something for a week or a month, it's probably not quite the right time yet to make that shift because um, that level of depth that the market is looking for, you don't quite provide yes. for that. Um, so that's good set. I was going to say on that, like you, you get contractors that can often sort of blag their way into a role. Um, so, you know, some, some, you get some individuals that will say, oh, I've got right. like, lots of experience in Agile or SAP. But the key point is that contractors are often the first ones to find anybody out. So if you are lacking in a certain skills, contractors will find you out. And um, some, con- some of my friends that are contractors were saying to me, they can suss I somebody see. out within a day or a couple of days. So, you know, if you aren't, right. if you haven't got the requisite skills and you sort of maybe, been a bit dishonest with the truth um 
contract if you're working with fellow contractors they will find they will find you out so you know you need to be very careful of sort of um Mm. what you sort of what you sort of say on your cv and what you sort of um you say is your experience yeah yeah yeah. but also just i guess very honest you know and just uh, being transparent about the level of skill that you bring to the table and if if it's not quite at that level that the contractors or the contractor market is looking for, uh, then that might be a sign for you to consider focusing on your development first before you make that move. Right. Um, so the other, obviously the other bit that you touched on was the risk. Yes. Uh, there's two, there's two things I want to pull out from that. The first thing is, um, in spite of the risks, there are still people wanting to become contractors. Why do you think that is? I think firstly, I think it's, it's, you can't get away from the financial, Sort of benefits you know the you're getting paid right. a day rate and so when you factor in sort of the day rate and sort of how much your how much tax you're paying it's more beneficial uh and it's but you know as you get mm. more as you progress within a role or in seniority your rate goes up so the, the salary and the financial benefits mm. can be great so i think that's one aspect another aspect is that you are in charge of your own career development so you are in charge of which way which sort of path you want to take so do you want to focus on a particular area in terms of process do you want to be a process ba do you want to be a digital ba i wanted to focus more on the public sector side and i've really enjoyed that so in the last five years i've spent my time within the public sector and i've sort of moved towards that deliberately and i've really enjoyed that so i'm in control of my own career and there's certain industries that i've worked in that Mm. aren't as appealing or interesting so i've sort of stayed away from them okay so but you're in control of your career and where you want to take it and like i said i've had friends that have moved into business architecture or product owners or product managers mm-hmm. and they've made that deli- they're, they're in control so they can make that change so i think that's the other aspect that often that's doesn't it. get seen you're just in charge of your development and take you can take the career wherever you want it to be mm. and and just to just to really shine a light on those differences, but the first one being income, um, yes. you know, the average BA is probably somewhere between, uh, I don't know, if, let's say between forty-five and sixty thousand as a, as a salary yes. range, somewhere there. Typically, a senior BA maybe you know maybe they might reach towards the seventies uh, potentially, depending on the industry and all sorts. Um, but contracting wise, for somebody who's then thinking okay, I keep hearing about this financial benefits, but what does yes. that actually then mean in the, in the sense of numbers? Okay, so let's... The, the, this year, I've seen a sort of drop in the sort of day rates for, for contracting as a whole. Right. But typically for a BA, you are looking at day rates of around sort of 450 to sort of 600, 700. And the higher the rate is typically for BAs with more experience or with specific experience. So I touched earlier about sort of investment banking experience. If you've got those sorts of skills, you can command a higher day rate. I see. But let's go with a really simple example of around £500 a day. Okay. A typical sort of – so if, you bill you, if you're billing yourself for, let's say, 20 working days in a month, over the course of 20 days, £500, that's £10,000 net um, sort of gross income. Okay. Right. Now, it, how much you get in terms of net is then based on whether you're inside or outside I-35. So, it's um, inside and outside I-35 is your status in terms of I-35. 
um, and that is that is determined by the end client. So if I was going to work for I don't know, Tando's business analysis company, yeah. I came to work for you. You would say I want to work with Kamal, and the role is inside I thirty five. Okay. Okay. What that actually means is that when you're inside I thirty five, your income is taxed at source. So that ten thousand pounds I spoke about, from that we deduct national insurance for employers and employers, and also your income tax. So typically you're getting paid a net of around 55%, 55%. Right. Okay. Right. So roughly between sort of rough example, about 5,000 pounds, five, five to five and a half thousand pounds. Right. Right. Okay? I see. Yeah. That's when you're inside I-35. When you're outside I-35, you're operating as a limited company. So in that case, if I was working with you, Tando's business analysis, you would invoice Kamal Marwaha Business Analysis Limited. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that ten thousand pounds comes to my business. Okay, now from that, I deduct a salary. A salary is typically about nine thousand pounds a year. I also have to pay corporation and VAT, and then I also extract dividends. Now, how much dividends I take are in my control. Right, I can take all of my money as dividends if I want, or I can take a couple of thousand pounds, but it's in my control, it's my gift. Mm. Now, the more you take out of your business, the more you have to pay in terms of income tax mm. at the end of the year. Mm. But that that level of how much taxation you pay is is, is my responsibility. Mm. I can control that. So if I've had some contractors in the past that take out all their money from the business, and then at the end of the year, they have a big tax bill. Yeah. So, but you're in control. That's but in terms of, you know, financial benefits it's it very much depends if you're inside or outside um but you know the the financial rewards are are good Mm. um and they can be substantial but not everybody is cut out to be a contractor Mm. like i said the risks are are there they they, they occur i've had you know last years i've had some risky scenarios you had covid where some of my friends reverted back to permanent roles where because there was no contracting roles so it's not always, you know, you cannot always assume that the market will have roles mm. for you um, or, you know, that, that the market is buoyant. There'll be downtimes. There'll be periods when you're struggling to get interviews or contacts from companies. Mm. So mm. you have to be mindful of that. Um, mm. But, yeah, the financial rewards can be, can be that, yeah, you, you do get paid more as a contractor. Um, but it very much depends if you're inside or outside. Either. Yeah, and that probably helps, doesn't it, with with making that decision um, and seeing whether the whether the jump is worth it for you. Obviously, not just financial, but the financial bit could be an element of uh, of, of point that you then say, "I'm currently earning this much. Let's let's say it's three thousand pounds a month." Yeah. Uh, Paye. If I get five hundred pounds a day inside our thirty five, and that works out to be around five thousand a month. You know that's a two thousand pounds difference. Um, uh, as far as the contracting world brings. Yes. Uh, but then to your point, because you are a business, um, that comes at a loss, doesn't it, in terms of uh, pension contributions and benefits Absolutely. and all sorts. Absolutely, that five thousand pounds, and you have yeah. to factor in where's your pension going to come from. You know, you can have salary sacrifice, mm. so you can do some salary sacrifice, set up your own personal pension, but that'll be very much you yourself contributing. Whereas when you work for a company, they'll contribute partly towards your um, pension, 
and they'll also provide other benefits. You know, yeah. your training and development, cycle scheme work, season loans, all that sort of things that you don't get as a as a contracting staff. It's all sort of on your own. So if I want to do any development in terms mm. of courses or attend like conferences, for example, I have to pay for it out of my own sort of pocket. So there's that element of it. If you if you do like that corporate world of I like the benefits. Mm. I like being able to maybe get a company car every year, every couple of years. Yeah. Then, you know, that's something that you don't quite get as a contractor. It's very much, you know, you're responsible for your own sort of life insurance, your pensions and, you know, your sort of private health care and that sort of aspect. So there's things you have to consider. Um, and it depends what you're used to as well. Yeah. You know, if you've been permanent for a considerable yeah. amount of time, then it can be quite a shock to you in terms of okay i've got all these other aspects now that i need to sort out absolutely and i think um, all of this keeps pointing back to that point that you made at the beginning about you are a business and and it's not just a i guess like a mindset shift it's also like practically speaking you need to operate your financials almost yes. as that business or at the very least self-employed perspective and being like everything is on me now it's not it's yes. not my employer will take care of this and they'll take care of that. I need to put X, Y, Z in place when I become a contractor or if I am contracting. Um, so the other thing that you mentioned was about like the whole instability in the job market and yes. the fact that, you know, you, your contract could finish at any time or you could get a renewal that then gets canceled mm. or yes. X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z. Um, Obviously, you've been a contractor for for over a decade now, and, yes. and and there's many contractors out there in in this space. How how are you managing that particular instability? Then, what other things that you're then doing in terms of if a contract then gets dropped, uh, say you know this Friday, God forbid, yes. not. But yeah. if it does, then what what do you do? How do you manage that? Well, firstly, as a contractor, you're never really out of the market. You're always you always have an eye on the market. So whether you're right. looking at the job boards whether you're regularly talking to recruiters that you know well, you're always, you always have an eye on the market. So this year, for example, I knew the market was quiet and there wasn't as many jobs. So I regularly maintain contact with recruiters. I regularly, they reach out to me um, and they say, are you available? I'll say no, but please still keep contacting me. I want to maintain those relationships. So you have, there's an element of, maintaining those relationships, knowing who to contact, starting to understand which companies have relationships with which end clients. So certain companies, for example, only deal with public sector companies, for example, or the companies in the FS space. You need to understand who they are and you need to reach oh, out to them. Right? Yeah, recruitment companies. Um, make friends with uh, recruiters. You know, I've had one recruiter that's placed me at nearly sort of 50, 60% of my jobs in the past. You know, he's that he's he's placed me so many wow. times. He's got me out of a number of situations when uh, some of those contract um, scenarios I spoke about uh, took place. So mm. you know, make friends with mm. recruiters, and you build those relationships. So I've known some recruiters for like nearly eight years now, eight nine years. So we've built a, a strong sort of yeah. history of um, them getting work for me and me getting sort of work for them in terms of being placed. So it works both ways that relationship. You also, if you're a good contractor and you've made a good impression, companies will look to bring you back. So keep in contact with your previous companies. Right. You know, keep in touch, whether it's informally, whether it's you go for a drink, whether you go for a coffee, whether you just like 
message them on LinkedIn every now and again just to say, you know, how's things? Are you looking? You know, you should need to maintain those relationships with your employers as well. And if you've done a good job, then they're more likely to bring you back. Um, even if there's no work, they'll mm. sometimes say, look, mm. we'll see if we can do something to bring you in. So you need to always have an eye on the market. Uh, if you know that the market is slow, then you know that you need to keep some irons in the fire, you know, because you know that mm. um, you need to be prepared should, you know, your projects come to an end or they just get terminated. Some companies are really good in that they'll let you know in advance your contract won't be ending, you won't be renewed. So you get some contracts right. on LinkedIn that say, yeah. I'm finishing in December, let me know if anything comes up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, most companies are, they they, they, they work, they're, they're really sort of, um, they're quite, they're really good to work with and that they give you that heads up to say, look, you're not going to get extended beyond December. Um, some companies don't. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes out of no fault of your own, your contracts get terminated early. And in that scenario, you then need to tap into those contacts, those relationships that you've built over the past sort of however long you've been working. Also your friends, you know, you've got, you yeah. should, every contract right. yeah. I've been at, I have made friends as contractors. So I've got a relationship with quite a number of individuals now that I sort of message regularly, uh, not just about work, you know, about non-work mm. stuff, but when the time comes, if they need work, they message me. And if I need work, I'll message them to say, look, do they know anything? And then sometimes they'll message me or forward like job adverts to me or emails that they've received. So, you know, there's a really good sort of uh, relationship there that I've built with contractors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that, that that's a really good point. And and um, in terms of building those relationships, is it places like like LinkedIn that you're doing this? LinkedIn certainly helps. You know, it's I don't go, okay. I don't sort of go cold, cold calling on LinkedIn. Um, so for example, I've worked with, I've met, I've sort of because I, I attend IABA events quite regularly. So what I'll do is that I'll sort of meet people there. Mm. I'll sort of say, look, I'm a contractor. My contract is coming to an end. Do you know anyone? They might say, can you, you can speak to X person, you know, message them, say that I've let you know that, you know, you know me. So uh, I, LinkedIn isn't my first port of call. I'll normally reach out to people in a more sort of like old fashioned way, like in person. Um, and then I might use LinkedIn to carry on sort of networking opportunities uh i'm not one for like cold calling on sort of linkedin um because i don't that's not my sort of approach but i know other as as people that do uh but like you yeah. said some people post job adverts on linkedin so then you can connect to people you can message them and then you can build relationships that way so that you know i've done that where individuals have said oh we're looking for a ba message me if you're interested so you know i've, I've sort of networked that way but not mm. directly in linkedin i like to Part of the reason I attend IBA events is to build my sort of presence within the business and as a community, and I can sort of understand which BAs work where. Mm. And if I do need to work, you know, some these organisations in the future, I can sort of reach out to these individuals and just say, "Look, are you looking for BAs at the moment?" And people are quite honest. If you're open and say, "Look, I'm, yeah. looking, for, I'm looking for a contract," people will say, "No, we're not looking." Or actually, you know what? Um, one individual said. We're not looking for BAs, but we do take recommendations on good BAs. So I'll put you in contact with my head of develop head of head of business analysis, and that's just come about through I attending my BA events, building relationships, working with individuals. Um, also, you, when you work with these people, you have to show that you've got some sort of capability in the BA 
space. You know, you can't. I, I don't just attend these events, sit in the corner, and yeah. don't participate. I like to participate. I like to get involved. Um, building the BA profession yeah. is important to me, so I like to make an impact at IBA events. So, mm. you know, um, you also have to if you're going That's to attend great. events, yeah, no. you need to have a bit of a presence, uh, just so that people can recognise yeah. you and just they're aware that you know what you're talking about. Uh, I agree. Yeah, and no, I agree with that. Completely agree with that. Um, and and then the the other point that you'd also mentioned was about like taking as a contractor, you can kind of really take control of your career, and and yeah. your, you know where your career is going. Um, can you just touch on a little bit more about what how how you do that and what that means, uh, particularly the differences between I guess doing that in a perm role and a contracting position. Absolutely. So I with a contractor, you can you can i can you can sort of i like to i've made a shift towards working in the public sector so five five or six years ago mm. i was very fortunate to get my first role in the public sector and i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed working in that right. gds with that gds framework i enjoyed the agile ways of working and i wanted to stay with it so prior to that all of my experience was within sort of financial services so i made the sort of active decision once my contract or once the time at the, that role came to an end, I wanted to go back into another public sector role. And that's what I primarily looked for. So I then focused on public sector roles at that point. And since then, I've worked in the public sector or public sector companies. So I made that deliberate shift and I've sort of stayed stayed clear of the private sector. Um, that's not to say I wouldn't work there if the opportunity right. came up, but my, my, my primary my priority is to work in the public sector. So I made that deliberate mm. decision. Uh, I also wanted mm. to move more into the agile space. Uh, so I've worked, you know, part of moving into government was also so that I can get more experience within an agile way of working, specifically within government, uh, which has its own sort of GDS framework and principles. So I really wanted to do that sort of shift. Some of my friends, for example, though, have moved away from business analysis and they've moved towards product owners, being product owners. So they've made that deliberate shift in the past sort of two, three years. And now they are sort of fully fledged product owners. And and that's what they've that's that's the sort of direction that they've gone in. And they've you know they've used certain experience at certain contracts to c- carry out this product owner role. And then they've from the subsequent contracts they then move into those roles going forward. So you know, you need to get, often you will need to have the opportunity to maybe transition into a role. So you need to look for opportunities in your organizations. Let's say you want to move into business architecture. Is there an opportunity to get into that yeah. role where you're working and to get some experience in that? If there is, you could get that experience as a, as a contractor. You can ask, look, can I do some work in this? And then when you go to your next role, you can say, yeah. look, I've done some architecture work. I've applied this or I've done some product owner work. I want to move into this role. So you are in control, whereas when you're a permanent, you're sort of, you know, you have a you have a choice in terms of what projects and certain assignments you want to work on, but they're very much dictated to from your leadership in terms of these are your assignments. You know, you're yeah. sort of focused on a sort of particular role, particular industry. Um, so if you're working only in FS, you're only ever going to work on FS projects, whereas I bring a breadth of experience across different companies, different ways of working, and sort of different sort of project setups and configurations. So, but yeah, you have, it's, you're, you're in control of where you want to take your career, uh, whether you want to progress into, some yeah. people are happy just to be a BA, 
they're just happy to do BA work. Some people mm. want to move into senior roles, mentoring, leadership roles. So you can do that. You know, you are very mm. much where you want to take your career is mm. up to you as a contractor. Um, mm. So, and that's that's what I just one of the aspects mm. I enjoy is that sort of variety of work and variety of individuals as well. Every organisation is different in terms of the individuals, how they work, their ways of working, and your role as a contractor is just to sort of go in and assemble yourself as if you're a permanent member of staff. Like as if you've yeah. never worked anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and have, having that ability to 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 go in in a new environment and fit in, I guess, as part of the furniture, so to speak, in a in a faster pace. Um, so yes. you've been doing contracting for or been a contractor for eleven for the last eleven years, and yes. been in in this space for the last fifteen years. If you had to kind of look back over the last eleven years, um, number one. What has kept you going as a contractor? And uh, number two, uh, what do you love about being a contractor? What's kept me going is that I've always I've always managed to find work. And one of the first mm. in less what one of the most important lessons I learned was was uh, when my first contract was coming to an end. It was around about Christmas time, and I was getting lots of phone calls about jobs, about potential opportunities. And I had an extension on the table uh, from my current employer, and I turned it down because I said, "I've got all these phone calls coming. I want to be made av- I want to be available for them." Um, none of those opportunities came to anything, um, and as a result, come what Christmas and New Year, I was out of work, and I was out of work for two months, um, and that taught me a really important lesson: wow. uh, is to always take the contract that's on offer on the table. Never assume that you're going right. to get a contract. So I've always been in work. If I've left, it's because a contract has come to a natural end or the opportunity no longer is sort of, there's, there's, you know, I need to move on in terms of experience. I need to get something new. You know, sometimes there's a natural point in a contract where, you, where it's best for you to leave and get some new experience. So I've been successful because I've moved on at the right time. I've picked the right contracts and companies to work in. You know, if a company or a contract hasn't been right for me, I've learned to move on and just, start a new opportunity sometimes there will be contracts that you know one contract i wasn't doing ba work i was doing sort of system testing so i had to move on from that because i wasn't Mm. doing analysis work so you have to learn to move on when's the right time to move on you have to find the right opportunities in terms of what's the sectors you want to work in what are the sort of projects you want to be involved in i've also learned from every place i've been to whether it's the organization how they work or whether it's from other contractors and how they work. So I've learned quite a lot from non-BAs in terms of how to work, ways of working, and that gives you just a breadth of experience. And that breadth of experience means that I can bring lots of variety to a role into a company. Um, And sorry, what was your second point? I missed. What do you love about it? Love about it. I love the, I just love the the variety of roles. So I love, going into a team yeah. or an organization and being expected to deliver from sort of day one. I was actually asking my friends this, when do you expect to start delivering as a contractor? And one of them said, I want to deliver yeah. from day one. He doesn't want to be waiting around. He says, what do I do? And that's what I enjoy. I can remember starting one contract and I was in meetings so that afternoon and the next day. So, and I enjoyed that. I love that aspect of it, wow. of just hitting the ground running understanding an organization understanding what my role is and just delivering from sort of day one and just 
I love I sort of love becoming part of an organization and just almost being like a permanent member of staff um, but having mm. that flexibility to sort of move on when the time's right and, and that's what I sort of love most is just mm. that ability to you're almost like a permanent member of staff because of the way that you just I just fit in mm. and the people are so interesting that I work with but then being able to move on when the time is right and when I've completed my assignment you know I sort of see myself sort of hired help brought in for a specific problem um, once that problem's fixed, once it's resolved, I sort of move on and move on to the next problem and assignment. Yeah, and that's what I love about it—just that variety. Every sort of couple yeah. of years, I move on to something new, a new challenge, a new environment, new people that love I it. work with. So yeah, it's just that variety I love most. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's great. That's really great. Um, well, Kamal, thank you so much uh, first of all for coming on the podcast and sharing your breadth of experience in this world of contracting. Um, as as I mean, just our conversation, there's so much to cover, so much to consider. But the one key takeaway that I've got is that, you know, this this effectively requires uh, you to be a bit more proactive and kind of take control and take charge of your self and see yourself as a business to then kind of win in this game of contracting. Um, if people would love to then con- kind of connect with you directly and maybe um, grab a, a, a coffee with you and have a chat around the world of contracting and all the rest of it um, or any other reason, what's the best way that they can do that? They can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'll connect with them uh, and I'll message them and we can, you know, I'm happy to meet up for a coffee or meet up virtually. So yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn is the best way. And then we can sort of take it from there. But yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, it's been really enjoyable to talk about this and anyone else that wants to t- take this further, I'm happy to sort of talk to them outside of you know outside of this format yeah that's no, great to hear i'll put your um the uh, link to your linkedin on the um show notes of the of the show um and final question is um thinking about the person who's kind of listened to this conversation and you know they are feeling inspired to take this journey what's your what's your closing remarks to them there's great reward with being a contractor financially in terms of the experience you get. So I'm not going to deny that, but there is great risk. And are you prepared to, to take that risk on? Like I said, there'll be periods when the market is down, um, you know, during COVID time, lots of companies weren't recruiting. Some of my friends had to go into working in warehouses, for example, just to keep earning, wow. you know, um, you never know what might happen. So by all means, it's a very rewarding career financially but are you prepared to take that risk in terms mm. of could you, you know, waiting for work? So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to work, but it comes with lots of caveats and you just need to be very mindful. My first, when I first went into contracting, my friend said to me, the friend that I sought advice from, he said, it's not about the first contract you get it's the second, third and fourth contract that you need to think about. So, you know, it's, um, that's my closing remark. It's just be mindful. It's not just about the money. There's lots of other aspects you need to factor in. If you're happy with those, then by all means, go for it. Yeah. Take the plunge. Yeah, take the plunge. Well, I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate the, um, you know, kind of showing the real, the real life of a contractor, really. Uh, and not kind of painting it as this amazing thing that some people may do, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, it's amazing. You can earn six figures, but actually what you're painting is this realistic picture of balancing risk and reward and then making that decision on, 
Um, is the risk worth it? Is the reward worth it? Depending on where you are in your career and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, no, really, really appreciate your thoughts today, Kamal. I've really enjoyed this conversation and um, thank you so much for coming on once again. Thanks for having me and I'll be here talking about it. <laughs>